0: All right, good. How's everybody doing? Yeah, that's better. All right, excellent, excellent. I'm pumped up today. Could be the caffeine, adrenaline, joy of the Lord, maybe a mixture of all that. Maybe it's the hot dog, guys. I don't know. But I'm excited to be here. Thanks for being here today or watching online. So this morning, we got some intriguing stuff to talk about. This week and next, we're going to be wrapping up this series called Imagine Heaven. And it's all about taking a look at modern medical, scientific, and especially corresponding biblical evidence surrounding people who have had near-death experiences or NDEs. And if you haven't been around, let me explain this. These are people who have been pronounced clinically dead, meaning no brain activity, no brain waves, heartbeat has stopped, some for 30 minutes or more, but they've been resuscitated by the medical technology we have today And they're coming back and talking about their experience, that they were alive in another dimension and that they saw and heard things remarkably identical to what we read in this book right here. And so my hope for you, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, my hope is that this will help bring heaven down to earth, that it'll shine some light on passages in the Bible referring to heaven, and that it'll give you extra motivation in your daily Christian life. And I personally believe that God is giving us these testimonies today as a gift to people. Because today, more than ever before, we need hope. And so my encouragement to you, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, skeptical or or not skeptical, is to keep an open mind about this. But I would say it's okay to be a little bit questioning, especially as it pertains to individual testimonies. Why? Well, it's because it's just one person's experience or rather their interpretation of an experience they had. And we say it all the time around here, we are imperfect people, right? We don't always get it right. But the Bible is perfect. And so we're going to keep coming back to this source right here. We're going to test everything against this. We're going to interpret these near-death experiences in light of the scriptures. And so this week and next, what I want us to do is I'm going to take you on a tour of the city of God. And as we get started, I want you to imagine that day, that moment when you take that tiny little step from this life into the next. No, not the end, but the beginning of the life that you've always wanted. And I hope that perspective changes the way you live today because this life is integrally connected with the next. And the Bible says that heaven is a real place and that heaven is accessible to us by faith in Jesus Christ and faith in Jesus alone. See, a relationship with God, it is not something you earn. You can't earn it, but anybody who wants it can have it. If you want him, he wants you. And every individual who puts their faith, their trust in Jesus for forgiveness and eternal life will be saved, will be made right with God. So entrance into heaven is a free gift, but the Bible is very clear about the fact that how we live our lives here on earth determines our experience in the life to come. And that's why today I want to inspire you to live all out fully surrendered to the will of God so that you can experience the best life now and forever. Now, as we look to the scriptures, John, the apostle John, Jesus' disciple John, he was the youngest of Jesus' disciples. And he writes in the book of Revelation about an experience he had that is remarkably identical to people who have had near-death experiences okay, he had it in his old age. He said, the risen Jesus appeared to him while he was in exile for his faith on the island of Patmos. And he was taken up into heaven and shown the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And I want you to listen to his description here. This is Revelation chapter 21. It says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and with 12 angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the 12 tribes of Israel. He goes on to say, he, the angel, measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length. That's about 1,400 miles, and as wide and high as it is long. says so the angel measured the wall using human measurement, and it was 144 cubits thick. That's about 216 feet. The wall was made of jasper and the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city, the city walls, were decorated with every kind of precious stone, The 12 gates were 12 pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was of gold, as pure as transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp the nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now I'll be honest, and and I shared this with you back in week one. I can remember as a young believer reading the description of this and and I kind of in my mind visualized a really bad 1980s televangelist set, okay? Okay like the the pearly gates and the golden yellow brick road, whatever. In my mind, it didn't didn't really register. It didn't really appeal to me. But if you think about this at a little deeper level, this is like otherworldly mystical wonder kind of materials. It's real stuff. But whereas the stuff of earth is made of earthly stuff, like, I don't know, wood, dirt, stone, earthly elements... It says everything in heaven is made of the light and the life and and the love of God, which is hard for us to even begin to grasp. You know, I said this a few weeks ago. It's like trying to describe three dimensions of color in flat, black, and white, two-dimensional terms. It's impossible. But as you listen to these people who have died and been resuscitated describe this particular city, it's a real city with real people and, and real beauty that's going on there but it's a place of otherworldly mystical wonder. It's a place where those who love God will spend eternity together and it'll finally feel like home to us. So Captain Dale Black, he was a commercial airline pilot, had a plane crash in Los Angeles. Everybody died. But he came back to describe flying into the city, the new Jerusalem flanked by two angels. And I want you to listen to how this PhD, this aeronautical engineer, describes this very real place. And as you do, I want you to imagine the day when you will enter this beautiful place that you will call home. Watch this. In your book, you describe flying into, is it the New Jerusalem? What is it? And, and describe the beauty and what you saw.
1: I get this incredible... Uh, airborne view, a descending, slowing down, airborne view of the city of gold. And it's city, it's a city that's walled o- over the city were majestic mountains that were as gorgeous as any that could be ever seen. However, they did not look that different than earth. I wasn't disappointed by that. I'm not saying that I noticed snow. So think about that snow. What does that mean? atmosphere temperature snow what's that all about i noticed flying birds later what does that mean Uh, these are the kind of questions i ask okay if a bird is to fly it can't be a vacuum i'm hearing music what does that mean music can't transfer in a vacuum it has to be in an atmosphere there's atmosphere here in heaven oh what does that mean and
0: you're flying but you don't have
1: wings right i'm floating is what i would call it I'm floating and coming in, descending, and finally I come down and touch ground level for a while and I'm hovering between 40 feet-ish and down, And uh, but I, I recognize later, oh, there is gravity there. There is gravity, there is atmosphere, there's water, there are animals, oh yeah, oh, see, it all makes sense now.
0: <clears throat> so this is a real place. And Jesus, he talked about this on his very last night on earth. You may remember, he said, I'm going to this place, and one day I'm going to come back and take you to be with me. Now, John experienced this same place that NDEers talk about. And it's kind of fascinating to me because as people have had these near-death experiences, they describe them from a little different perspective it's sort of like interviewing people on the street who witnessed an automobile accident. They have a little different perspective, a little different memories, but when you put it all together, it kind of forms this cohesive picture. And what Dale is describing is what the Bible calls paradise. And I can't say this with 100% certainty, but many NDEers say that paradise is like the outskirts, the countryside around the city of God, the new Jerusalem. Now, that's interesting to me because if you recall the thief who hung on the cross next to Jesus, the one who put his faith in Jesus right before he died, in that moment, do you remember what Jesus said to him? Jesus said, today you will be with me, where? In paradise, in paradise. Apparently, paradise is this gorgeous countryside-like earth where many people start and it kind of acclimates them into heaven. And then they describe going on this journey toward the center to the place where God is, because apparently not everyone is ready to go immediately into the city or right up to the center. You know, Howard Storm, we talked about him a few weeks ago. He was an atheist college professor. He had a near-death experience. It was a hellish experience that Jesus rescued him from. And he said, after he cried out to Jesus, they were journeying together. They were going to this city with this incredibly brilliant light. But as they were traveling there, he said, all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't move forward. And so they stopped. And Jesus gave him a life review right then and there. And he said this, I could still see far off this city and in the center, this brilliant light and a multitude singing. Okay, Dale said the same thing, that there's a multitude in the center of the city singing praises to God. But Howard asked Jesus a question. He said, Okay, so what happens to people when they're going toward the center, but they aren't ready? He said, Jesus said that they freeze up. Howard said, well, what do you mean they freeze up? Jesus said, they just lock up and they think about themselves and what they need to work on. Isn't that interesting? Like they want to move forward, but they're not ready. And I can show you some indirect Bible references, but there is no specific direct reference to this concept in Scripture. But I would tell you this much, that's why it's important that we work on our stuff now. Like, work on you now. And the goal, the point of it all is intimacy with God. It's full surrender to the will of God, harmony with the will of God. Because not everyone enters heaven in the same place of understanding of the knowledge and the will of God. That much we know. And also, uh, apparently, just like there are prime properties here on earth, and those who have the, the money and the power get access to those prime properties, well, in heaven, there are prime properties as well. And it seems like the closer you get to the center of the city, the more spectacular your experience of the life of God. And folks, the currency of heaven is faith and love and faithfulness to God here on earth. So not everyone goes immediately into the city. Apparently, some are not ready, and perhaps they stay on the outskirts of paradise, still enjoying the amazing beauty and sights and sounds of God's creation. But those who have lived more fully surrendered lives to God here on earth have a fuller experience in heaven. And this is biblical, people. In Luke 19, Jesus tells this parable about servants being gathered to him okay? He's like the king. He's like the master in this parable. That's the analogy. And these servants, three servants come together, and they're given responsibilities here on earth. And I want you to listen to this interaction between the king, i.e. Jesus, and the faithful servant, one of those who was faithful. The faithful servant said, master, I invested your money and made 10 times the original amount. Well done, the king exclaimed. You are a good servant, You have been faithful with the little I entrusted to you, so you will be governor of 10 cities as your reward. Folks, that's what this whole concept of rewards is about in the Bible. And I know this is bothersome for some Christians, but Jesus could not have been any clearer about the fact that how we live our lives here affects our experience there. That this life is just a test to see how faithful you and I will be with what God has entrusted to us. And I look at it this way, all of our money, people, it's like monopoly money, okay? And, and all of our properties are like those tiny little pieces of plastic that go right back into the box when the game of life is over. And the only thing that goes with us is how we played the game, how faithful we were to God. That's what matters most. Listen to Luke 16, 9 to 11. <clears throat> Use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends. Then when your possessions are gone, they will welcome you to an eternal home. If you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? People, the riches of heaven are the true riches, the ones that will last. And Jesus says, this life is a test of your faithfulness to God. Now, I actually believe that there will be growth in heaven. I mean, we will continue to grow and learn and explore. Otherwise, we would be God, right? So we continue to grow in our understanding, our knowledge of God. But where we start, what we begin to experience upon our arrival in heaven is based on how we lived on earth. So all the things the Bible says about honoring God, giving your financial resources to build his kingdom, serving others, all those things matter for eternity. And I would encourage you to look at it this way. It's like investing in heaven's stock market that never goes down. I mean, when you're faithful to God, when you do the things he wants you to do in big ways or small ways, that shapes your eternal standing. So, imagine one day you approach this city and you are about to see your new home, like your eternal dwelling place. I mean, how cool is that going to be, people? You know, Jesus talked about this in John 14 too, Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many dwelling places. I go to prepare a place for you. Okay, right now I'm about to Greek, Greek geek you out, okay? All right, I'm getting ready to get in the Greek language. I get excited about this. Sometimes my wife's like, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever. But, but this time it really matters, okay? These nuances matter. Because I know what you're thinking. My father's house, yeah, you're thinking really small. No, not at all. Okay, my father's house, the Greek word house, it's the word oikos. It literally means a larger dwelling place for the extended family and relatives. I mean, we're talking about in this context, perhaps the entire city of God. That's my father's house. But then when he turns his attention to that word dwelling places, so Greek word, monai, can be used of a house, of a mansion, of a dwelling place of any size. In other words, it's all home to you, okay? All of God's city is home, but you will have your own unique dwelling place created by the one who knows you the best. So imagine, you're about to enter in to this custom-made home designed by the creator of the universe who knows you better than you know yourself. And I want you to imagine that as you listen to this.
1: I could see, uh, we'll start from foreground to back, if you like. Uh, I could see the townships, as I call them, homes that people lived in Homes that were likely to be created for the people of heaven. Interestingly enough, they struck me by not so much the size as the architecture. I know nothing about architecture hmm. at all, I still don't. But uh, I recognized that there was something divine about the architecture of the buildings. There were small, what we would call like uh, condos here there were single family residences that we would call here there were huge palaces and i could see that but and this is all inside the wall on the other side of the wall i saw none of this and how big is this city i mean can you tell i could not tell other than it was beyond the horizon both directions there's countryside inside so that it's a it's gorgeous beautiful all of the adjectives times a thousand? Imagine, imagine your excitement as
0: you enter into and you get to begin to explore this incredible city. And folks, it is huge, okay? And and we know this, in fact, because in Revelation 21, we just talked about this, John said there was an angel who measured it out in human measurements, 1,400 square miles and just as tall and it's a mysterious city. It's as clear as crystal. Some NDEers describe it as this clear, transparent crystal palace, and yet it's made of gold too, which that kind of blows our minds. And it also says, that we're going to hear this, it's woven together with love, which that goes beyond our dimensionality. It's like love, and something is built of love. Like it's beyond our ability to describe. And while its footprint is about half the size of the United States, It's just as tall and in three dimensions. So it's big enough for all of humanity, literally. And your welcoming committee came in. They can't wait to show you around. They can't wait to show you your new custom home that they've been working on under the master designer. So imagine you're coming up to the walls of the city. You're about to enter through the gate. You know, Betty Malls was a Christian who had a near-death experience. She died. She was resuscitated And she describes what it felt like coming up to the entrance. I love what she says. She said, my emotion was a combination of feelings, youth, serenity, fulfillment, health, awareness, tranquility. I had arrived at where I'd always dreamed of being. She said, the wall to my right was higher now and it was made of multicolored, multi-tiered stones. A light from the other side of the wall shone through a long row of amber-colored gems several feet above my head. Topaz, I thought to myself. I not only heard singing, I felt the singing, and I joined the singing. And suddenly, I, I realized I was singing the way I had always wanted to, in high, clear, sweet tones. How many of you would like to sing in high, clear, sweet tones? Hey, raise your hands. Hi, some of our worship team members. How many of you right now sing in low, muddy, frog-like tones? Okay. <laughs> There's hope, people. There's hope. All right. This is awesome. She says, the voices burst forth in more than four parts, but also in different languages. Every once in a while, we'll sing a song here and we'll we'll go between Spanish and English. And it's just so powerful. Imagine what that's going to be like. Said, I was awed by this because I could understand them all. So the angel stepped forward and put his palm, the palm of his hand upon a gate, which I had not noticed before. About 12 feet high, the gate was a solid sheet of pearl with no handles and some lovely scroll work at the top of its Gothic structure. The pearl was translucent so that the atmosphere inside the city was somehow filtered through. My feeling was of ecstatic joy and anticipation at the thought of going inside. Folks, do you remember what it was like as a little kid on Christmas morning like how you're about to burst with excitement. I can promise you it's going to be even better than that, even better. You know, there's only one requirement to get into this city, and we'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, Dale and Don, I want you to listen to their experiences. They came upon the wall. They came to the gate, which, by the way, is an archway, which we already talked about. The angel measured the thickness. It's 216 feet thick. So it's kind of like a tunnel through the wall. But what they describe is what John said in Revelation. The 12 gates were 12 pearls, said nothing evil will be allowed to enter, only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So watch this.
1: And at this magnificent gate, a very large uh, wall, a very thick wall, and, uh, but it could, there's a gate and it looks like the inside of an oyster. It's a, it's a gate made of pearl. Uh, Really quite dazzling, very brilliant, very beautiful. It almost looks like it's pulsating with life, except I I know it's the light reflecting off the gate that makes it look that way. The arch and the tunnel was the same substance. It was not stone, but it was in the stone. What was the substance? The substance was pearl. It, It looked like liquefied pearl and when the light, from the thro- throne room—that's the only light that there is—emanated through, it just bounces off the pearl. There's no shadows, and there's no darkness at all, and there's no need for n- uh, unnatural or artificial light. And hmm. it is, it is uh, a sight to behold and welcomed me to go through it, but I, I couldn't go through it at that time. Well, later I found, after I looked at this angel and looked over, uh, I began to communicate from my heart to his heart. You know, would I be able to go through? Is, is that what you're wanting me to do? Because I really wasn't directing the shots, mm-hmm. and I was in no position to say I want to do anything. The large angel, the largest one, which was standing in, to the side in front of the gate, uh, began to move in front of the gate and just lovingly, I mean incredibly lovingly uh, let me know that sure I can come in if your name is written in the book and the book opens and it opens just to the right page to the correct page and in that page is my name I began to understand that every human creation is written in this book and unless their name is blotted out said and I don't know anything I, I don't know about this right now but the name of my name was not blotted out and that was seemingly important I, I'm going this back. is
0: just an understanding that came to you
1: everything comes into the heart
0: but you understood I understood that your name was in there it was not blotted out not blotted so you out. think that was the book of life
1: I, I believe it is now that I've come back and, and and read about it I believe that's exactly what it was in the first date was March 21st, 1949. I didn't recognize that date. And then there was June 27th, 1961. And uh, that'll date me, but I don't care. You know, that dates me. But these are two dates that I couldn't, for the life of me, figure out their significance and they're connected to my name. What's that all about? and everybody that's there, my two angels, the two other angels that are there, my welcoming committees over there, everybody's just joyous. They're full, so full of love and joy. And I'm not worried, but I'm wondering what all this is and what are these numbers and what do they mean? And then I begin to understand, oh, this is the day of my creation. This is when God created me, not, this,
0: your, not your birthday before that.
1: Yeah, not my birthday. And the second date? And the second date was the day I received Jesus into my heart and life.
0: Is that powerful or what? And people, Jesus promised all of this. You know, over in Revelation 3, 5, talking about victorious Christians, Jesus says, I will never erase. Ex ellipso is the Greek word. It literally means outblot or blot out. I will never blot out their names from the book of life, but I will announce before my father and his angels that they are mine. They are mine. You know, that's the most important question of all. Are you his? Do you belong to him? And like we've been talking about throughout this whole series, if you want him, he wants you. And all you've got to do is put your faith in Jesus. That's it. Jesus did all the work for you. He died on the cross for your sins. But that alone, putting your faith in Jesus alone, makes you worthy to enter in. Let me tell you, that payment is only applied to those who trust in Jesus. So as we close here, let me ask you this. Are you his? Would Jesus say, he is mine, she is mine? If you're not sure, put your faith in Jesus. Don't wait. Do that today. All right, next week, we're going to pick this up with part two of the City of God. It gets even more fascinating, but let's pray. Lord, right now, if there's anybody here in this room and they don't know with 100% certainty that they belong to you, that their name is there in the book of life, I know in this very, very moment, just in the quietness of your heart, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in you. I believe that through your death and resurrection, I believe that because of your promise that whoever trusts in you will be forgiven and given eternal life. And so I'm doing that right now. I'm just putting my trust, not in myself, not in anything else, but in you, Jesus. Now, for those of us who have that relationship, and we know <clears throat> that those, those dates are going to be there. We know we have that relationship with you. I pray that your word, the truths of your word, would inspire us. Because as fascinating as these testimonies are, you have written so much of this for us already. You've already spelled it out. And you've given us those promises that we might live wholeheartedly for you, that we might be the trustworthy servants, that we might use our time, our treasure, and our talents for your glory, for your kingdom, that we would invest in heaven's stock market. And this week, what I pray for all my brothers and sisters here, that we would just spend some time thinking about that life to come, thinking about that dwelling place that you have promised, that even now you're preparing For us, God, that we might really, day in and day out, keep our minds focused on that kingdom, that we might imagine heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this morning, as we wrap this up, if you have questions, any further questions about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, or if you have a prayer need or concern, you'd like somebody to pray with you, we have some individuals up front who'd love to do that. Otherwise, you guys go and have a fantastic day.